G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I have so many voices in my head telling me why I should not be a Christian, but no voices in my head telling me why I should. And I, I took from that that God wasn't interested in me, that God had abandoned me because I'd done so many things wrong. And so then this voice said, Des, you don't need to do anything. It's all been done. All you've got to do is put what little bit of faith you can find and put it into what Christ has done for you And I said, I can do that. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Des Kennedy had been running away from God for years when he finally surrendered his life to the Lord. Then God tugged his heart towards men's ministry. Today we'll find out how Des is now using his gifts and talents to reach men throughout Australia and overseas. Des Kennedy is chatting with Michelle Smith. How are you going, Des? I'm doing really good, thank you. Now, first of all, I've got to dive into the first question. Your uh, accent is a bit of a giveaway. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about how you came to be in Australia. Well, it's, uh, I grew up in Belfast. Of those who haven't picked up the accent, Belfast in Northern Ireland. And so I grew up there and grew up in a Christian home. And my, my dad was a street preacher and a very godly man. And my, you know, all my family were you know involved in the church and still are. Um, I was the prodigal son, and so at 27, I decided I wanted to leave that influence, a bit like the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and to go off to a far country. In my case, it was Australia. And so I arrived here on the uh, 18th of March, 1981, and I've been here more or less ever since. Yeah. Ah, so you've done a bit of travelling. You've spent some time in Singapore and New Zealand as well, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I spent a year in Singapore, which was interesting. And then I spent eight years in New Zealand, and I love New Zealand. In fact, I've got five grandkids and two sons in New Zealand, so a great affinity to uh, Kiwi land. It's a good place. <laughs> so you spend a lot of your time working in men's ministry. Yeah, it's, 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 well, obviously, since I came to Christ, which was in 2011, and shortly after that, um, I was going to my local church and, and and I saw all these men who maybe were dragged by their wives to church and you know, they didn't really want to be there. They were on their phone, they were playing games, whatever that looked like, but they certainly weren't engaged mm-hmm. in in the church in any sort of serious way. And so it broke my heart you know, because they, those guys all had so much to offer in a Christian context. Um, and me as a new Christian, I just couldn't, put that all together. And so I, I really, um, I went to the leadership of the church and said, hey, you know, we've got to do stuff for men. And and so we started doing breakfasts and barbecues and all those sort of things. And and so we ended up with like 60-odd connect groups for men just just doing life together. You know, so that's a really cool thing for men to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. sounds great. And it's to have men more involved in church is is. A great need at the moment. It's critical. I mean, there's some interesting statistics, uh, and one of the most important one is that is if a, a child comes to Christ, the likelihood of the whole family coming to Christ is about thirteen percent. Mm-hmm. 
if a wife comes to Christ, the likelihood of her whole family, including her husband, coming to Christ rises to about 38%. But if a husband comes to Christ, the likelihood of the whole family coming to Christ rises to somewhere between 75 and 80%. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were in a marketing campaign for church, <laughs> where would your target be? Yep. It would be yeah. to men, right? But where is the target for churches today? It's not at men. It's it's feminizing in some degree the church because a lot of the women go to church. The mm-hmm. men don't. So it's an interesting dichotomy. But, yeah, we got to reach men. If we reach men, we reach families. And when we reach families, we reach communities. Yeah, and generations. We and reach generations. generations. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about your story about how you, the prodigal son, returned uh, to his heavenly yeah, how father. Long, how long have we got? <laughs> I'll try and keep it short. You know, I uh, I always believed there was a God. So it, it was logical to me, you know, even in, in the IT industry, which I w- was in. So I think logically. And it was it was so illogical to think that this whole world could come together by accident. That made no sense to me. So I always believed there was a God. What I couldn't relate was what I saw as a Christian God and a God of the universe. I couldn't fathom that, if you don't understand what I'm saying. So uh, because I'd grown up and knew how to argue about Christianity, my role, I felt my role, was to either get Christians either off the rails or on the rails. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some circumstances, some stories I could tell you about, you know, how I have, you know, people who have worked for me who were Christians who were hiding it. And so, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, God can use a donkey so he can use an Irishman. And so, <laughs> and so as a non-Christian, I actually helped some guys to renew their faith. But, but what to get back on the story, I mean, I took on a major project in Darwin uh, for the Northern Territory government fixing some software. And and through that process, I met a lady in Alice Springs called Gwen Gavea. And Gwen was a, a great Christian lady. And she's still in Alice Springs. And so she ended up coming working for me and my team. And so when I knew she was a Christian, I was out to destroy her faith. And that's I said to my shame, but that's, that's what I did. But I saw in that lady somebody who really, I couldn't shake their faith. Total belief in God, total belief in what Christ had done for her, rock solid. Mm-hmm. But there was a graciousness and a love and a care in that person that I probably hadn't seen much of before. Because the church that I went to in Ireland was very legalistic, very rules-based, if you want to use those terms. Mm-hmm. So she had a huge influence on me. She got me listening to Christian music. She uh, got me reading the Bible. And so at, at one point... I decided I would re-explore Christianity. And so I joined a little church up in Darwin. I wrote a letter to my family in Ireland apologizing for how I had treated them. And then the project came to an end. Gwen went back down to live in Alice Springs. And so I decided to drive from Darwin back to Sydney for five weeks, do the holiday thing. And just outside Catherine, south of Catherine, on the 14th of March, 2011, I pulled into a lay-by and committed my life to the Lord. And it was the most amazing experience of my life and dramatically changed my life. And so from then on, it's been, you know, I had a sense of, you know, I've wasted so many years. How can I give back to the Lord in a way that's useful and meaningful? 
and he opened the doors for men's ministry and so that's what I'm doing today. Uh-huh. So tell me what led to you pulling over in the car. You were in the car alone, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I was uh, I was listening to Hillsong Music, which I downloaded onto my phone, so I listened to Hillsong Music, and, and I don't know why I pulled over. Mm-hmm. I, I just I saw the lay-by, I said, said to myself, I've got to sort this issue out in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled over, stopped the car, and cried out and said, look, you know, God, if you want me to be, you know, part of your kingdom, you're going to have to tell me what I do. Because I knew all the Bible verses, John 3.16, Romans yep. 3.23, all the verses I knew, but it wasn't real for me. And so I, I sat there in the quiet and I said, God, you've got to... Because I said, I have so many voices in my head telling me why I should not be a Christian, but no voices in my head telling me why I should. And I, I took from that that God wasn't interested in me, that God had you know, abandoned me because I'd done so many things wrong mm-hmm. that I believed that God just wasn't didn't want me in the kingdom. And so I had to live with the consequences of the choices I'd made. And so then all of a sudden, um, you know, people talk about the small, quiet voice and the whisper and all that sort of stuff. But whether I heard audibly or whether I believed I heard it, um, it could only have come from God. And this voice said, Des, you don't need to do anything. It's all been done. All you've got to do is put what little bit of faith you can find and put it in into what Christ has done for you and repent of how you've lived your life. And that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can do that. And I did. And the rest is history. I got on the car, in the car again, drove off, yelling and screaming at the top of my voice. It was it was. Full on, that was great, yeah. yeah. That story really reminds me of Paul, actually. It is a bit like that, yeah. yeah. People have said that to me. I am no Paul, believe me. I'm not <laughs> nothing like Paul. He's a, yeah, something else again. But, you know, I'm saved by grace, um, not because of what I do or what I have done. And God has allowed me to be a vehicle for his kingdom, and then that's, that's such a blessing to be able to do that and reach out to men and, yeah. So we've gone from the side of the road just outside Ellis Springs yeah. and you've got uh, five weeks of travelling ahead of you. Yeah. How did your plans change in that time? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, God is amazing the way he does things. So there <laughs> I was. You know, so the next little town that I went to once I left Catherine was a place called Mataranka. And I don't know how many listeners know where Mataranka is, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And so my car, I parked... It was the first place I got telecom coverage, right? Yep. So I wanted to go on to the internet, to Facebook, and tell people that I had become a Christian. That was the first thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled over into this parking area, and I got my laptop out and connected to Telstra and, and posted the fact that I'd become a Christian. All my family in Ireland were going ballistic. And then there was this massive bang. And I couldn't work out what it was. I thought maybe some local kids had thrown rocks at the car, lifted up the bonnet and steam going everywhere. And so so I drove my car slowly down to the local repair guy and he took one look at the car and he just shook his head. And he said, you know, I can't fix this. You'll have to get towed. So I got towed back to Catherine, believe it or not, the place I just left. Mm-hmm. And so, you know the way you walk into a motel and there's all the brochures, sales brochures, you know, anyway, there was one of them that was turned back to front. Right? And so my curiosity got the better of me. And so I lifted it out. And it was the local Assemblies of God church. And somebody had turned it back to front so people wouldn't get it. Anyway, I took one of these leaflets. And that night they were having a prayer and Bible reading mm-hmm. at the church. 
which was at the opposite end of town. And so I phoned the pastor and I said, look, I'm in town. I'd love to come to your Bible reading and prayer meeting. I said, but I'm the other end of town. I said, you know, I'm at the north end and the church is in the south end. And he said, look, um, where are you staying? And I'd say the name of the motel. She said, he said, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. He said, tonight is the first night of us meeting in our new church. And it's immediately next door to the motel you're staying in. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? And so I walked into this church, and there was a guy there waiting for you know people to come. And he said, you know, you're a Christian? I said, yeah. He said, how long have you been a Christian? I said, for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Story. Today, Michelle Smick is chatting with Des Kennedy, who's sharing his life journey and how God has tugged his heart towards men's ministry. We'll hear more of Des's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Michelle Smick chatting with Des Kennedy, who's sharing his life journey with us. Before the break, we heard how Des became a Christian after running away from God for many years. Now we'll hear how the Lord leads him into a men's ministry that has blossomed beyond his wildest imagination. So uh, you're on your way back to Sydney. You've got to Sydney. Yes. What's next? <laughs> well, I was married at the time. Um, not successfully married, so it was my second marriage. Um, the marriage didn't last very long. And so I packed up and moved to Alice Springs because I'd built a network of people there in the local church. And some of them were judgmental. Some of them were amazing, uh, as you find in any church, yeah. I guess. And so I, I, you know, I grew individually. And then... I kept on saying to God, what do you want me to do? Because I wasn't, I wasn't working, so what do you want me to do? And I kept on hearing this voice, get out of Alice Springs. Yeah, but what do you want me to do? Get out of Alice Springs. And so eventually I was talking to my son in Brisbane, and he said, why don't you come and live with me in Brisbane? And so that resulted in me going to the church that I was belonged to in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw the guys who were sort of on their own and so forth. But, but one of the things I have always like doing was helping people and so I decided um, I was talking to a guy who was in care pastoral care and I said what did you do at the weekend he said I went to a chaplaincy conference I said tell me about chaplaincy I don't know anything about that mm-hmm. so he told me what a chaplain did I said I'd love to do that and so I went and studied for a year to become a chaplain and so that was really cool I enjoyed that he became a chaplain and so then I decided then I wanted to go to Bible college. So then I went to Bible college for three years, got an advanced diploma in ministry and, and loved doing that. And, and that was really cool. Learned a lot. And during that time, I became a service pastor at the church I was in and started up the men's ministry. So, yeah. Okay. So tell us a bit more about the men's ministry then. Well, it's, it's, um, you know, men normally don't like communicating and talking about their world. Mm-hmm. They, you know, if you go up to the average guy and say, "How are you going?" They say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm okay," but you never get to the root issue. You know, they could be suffering from pornography, the, you know, whatever it is, anxiety, depression, not a good dad, not a good husband, 
all sorts of things that disrupt him being a good man, a good Christian man. Mm-hmm. So with my heart for ministry, I was in Port Macquarie, where I live, and the local remote station down there, the general manager, I, I met up with him one day and, and I said, how can I help the station? And he said, well, where's your heart? I said, my heart's for men and helping men do life better. And he said, well, why don't you do a radio show for men in Port Macquarie? And so I said, wow, I know nothing about radio. I know how to turn one on, but that's as close as I can get to radio. And he said, he said look, think about it and uh, decide if you'd like to do that. So the following weekend, I was going up to Brisbane, and there was a guy who was in one of the connect groups that I had in Brisbane, a guy by the name of Tim Charles. And um, I knew Tim had been in radio. And so I phoned Tim from my car and I said, look, man, I've got this opportunity to do the radio show. Um, Can you give me some help on how to do radio? And he said, no. (laughs) What do you mean, no? (laughs) He said, I want to do it with you. I said, wow, that's amazing. Are you sure? Because, I mean, if this goes where it could go, this is going to be massive. I said, yeah, you know, this is where my heart is. I want to do it with you. So he and I spent a lot of time planning and talking and so forth, and then eventually went to air with about three or four stations uh, on board. And you know, one of them was obviously Rima Port Macquarie, ninety six point five in Brisbane, and a couple of others. And so then, over the next like year and a half, Vision Radio came on board. Stations all over Australia, like everywhere, um, little places, Mount Gambier, Rockhampton, Cairns, you know, Perth. Everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and they all came on board, and a bucket heads, all sorts of places, and they all came on board. And of course, when then Vision Radio came on board, and so I mean, our reach was just amazing. And then we put our podcasts online um, with Spotify and Amazon and Apple and those sort of things. And so there's people all around the world, men, listening to this pommy guy and an <laughs> Irishman talking about men stuff. And so it's just crazy. It really is crazy. I mean, S- Syria, Iraq, Iran, you know, all around South America, South Africa, all listening to these guys who produce a show in Port Macquarie. How does that work? <laughs> that has to be God, right? <laughs> it has to be. And I love how there's an Englishman and an Irishman in Australia. Yeah, that's Isn't right. Isn't that meant to be an Australian <laughs> as well? Isn't that the joke? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the thing is, most people we interview are Australian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just a joke waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, we have, we have got some amazing people who have gone through so many things in their world. I mean, I, I was driving down the Gold Coast one day mm-hmm. to meet a mate for breakfast and uh, I parked in this petrol station right beside the coffee shop and there was a motorbike sitting beside me and on the fuel tank it said, Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> I said, man, I've got to find out who that belongs to. And I went into the petrol station and this guy had his helmet and it was a guy called Brendan Tumata uh, who lives down the Gold Coast amazing, amazing guy. So we interviewed him. And all these people come out of the woodwork. We didn't think we could find people who would have an interesting story, but it's unbelievable the stories that people have to tell. Yeah. You know? It's amazing. So it's stories about men and their faith? or Yeah, how men came to faith, yeah. how they travel through all sorts of circumstances, anxiety. Like, like one example is you think the show would aimed at men, but you, only men would listen to it. It's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many women 
who we interview, but also who listen to the show. And so there was a couple on the Gold Coast who caught my attention and they were both in their second marriage and they had separated in their second marriage because of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And so we, I talked to them and then interviewed them and we talked to the husband about what caused him to be violent towards his wife, verbally violent, not physically violent, but verbally violent towards his wife. Mm -hmm. And it was all because he had been married, his wife had left him to move in with another lady. And so his personal identity and his whole self-esteem was destroyed through that experience. Mm -hmm. And so his only way of reacting to that, because he didn't have the tools to manage it, was to try and control, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where the, the violence came in. And so then we interviewed her and we said, look, how did you respond to that? And she said, well, you know, it just destroyed my self-confidence. It destroyed my my respect for my husband. It destroys everything in our world. And so they ended up separating. And so they went and got some really good counseling on the Gold Coast and they ended up getting back together. And if you if you saw them today, they're the happiest couple. Why? Because they're trusting God, for yep. one. But two, to put in the right boundaries and the right triggers to stop the balance happening. Mm -hmm. So if the husband or the wife, any of them, go down a certain path, the other partners go right to say, no, we have agreed not to do that. We're not going there. Right? I, you walk away or we'll deal with it a different way. So that was an example of the sort of people that we interview. It was just, it's crazy. You know, it really is amazing. You know, guys who have suffered from pornography, yeah. um, we speak boldly and aggressively into men in the Christian world. Um, lots of non-saved guys listen to the show. Lots of women listen to the show. And uh, it seems to, you know, struck a chord with men in the community. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's it's needed at this time in society yeah. that men really do need that you know, that person to look up to, that person yeah. to guide them. Yeah. And because we've seemed to have, you know, generations are getting a little bit mixed in that, that's not something that was valued a number of generations yeah. ago. We've lost that. And so bringing that up and making it a solid foundation again. Yeah, well, and, and there's two parts to that. One is there are kids growing up today and a huge number of kids mm -hmm. today who have no father figure, right? And then there's a whole percentage again who have a father but not a good father mm -hmm. and so helping kids to understand what a good role model is and how to be a good adult and how to be a good man a strong man but a good man you know toxic masculinity is a real thing but it doesn't have to be men can be strong and be positive and be the leader of their family without anything toxic happening in that world. And so we encourage men to do that. We talk about that. And, and the other end of the spectrum, of course, is anxiety, depression, suicide, and we, we talk about those sort of issues too. Uh, one of the things that, that we've learned in doing the Momentum show is that men need to do community Mm -hmm. They need to do community together, you know, because as I said before, you know, if they go to a, like a, if they're in a church and they go to a church home group, for example, they're not going to talk about what's happening in their world inside them in front of their wife or in front of other people's wives or whatever, because it could be pornography. It could be uh, whatever it is, right? But pornography is obviously a huge one, um, but they're not going to talk about that that issue that they have in front of other people. But if they have a mate alongside them who they trust, 
who they've built a relationship with, where they honor each other and believe in each other, then you can have that conversation. Uh, the guy I spoke to today, he said, Des, the reason why I'm talking to you is because I trust you. It's because I know, you know what I've said to you is not going to go any further. Right, and so that's true of all. We're all the same, mm-hmm. you know. We all need women do it great. So they go to the coffee shop, and there's five or six of them, and they just let go, right? And that's brilliant. I mean, that's brilliant for women. Men don't do that, yeah. yeah. But th- but the key thing there is that you know men need to do life together. They need to have somebody alongside them, you know, because what you don't want to do is find yourself hitting a wall somewhere in your life and having nobody that you believe you can trust. Mm -hmm. That's the loneliest place on the world to be. So if there's men listening to this show, guys, find somebody. Somebody you can trust, somebody who can be a confidant, who you can be accountable to about what you're doing in your world and help them to help you through whatever you're going through. Excellent advice. Thank you very much, Des. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you. That was Michelle Smick chatting with Des Kennedy about his journey from being against God and Christians to being part of a vibrant men's ministry called Momentum. As we just heard, Des co-hosts a radio program and podcast for men, along with his friend Timothy Charles, who also has a pastoral heart for men. They believe God has brought them together, along with other men, to establish Momentum as a Christian radio ministry. Their goal is to help men find faith, fellowship and support. To find out more about their radio program and to learn about their small groups for men, you can go to their website. It's MomentumAustralia.org. Once again, that's MomentumAustralia.org. Also, I just want to let you know that you can listen to the Momentum radio program each week right here on Vision Christian Radio. To find out the exact days and times, just go to our website and look up the program guide for your area. Our website is vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. Finally, we'll end with this verse from the book of Proverbs. It says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's exactly what happens in a good men's ministry. Men get together and make each other stronger and sharper. Well, thanks for joining us for Des Kennedy's story and insights into his momentum ministry. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Don't be surprised, but I'm actually totally blind. And I wasn't wasn't born totally blind, but in 2004, I had a terrible car accident where I fell asleep driving, run into a power pole and damaged my eyes so badly that my eyes popped off my optical nerves and I'd never be able to see again. Shane Falconer's life could easily be made into a Hollywood movie as it's full of drama, romance and inspiration. We'll hear how Shane has gone from tragedy to triumph with the help of the Lord next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.